Welcome to the official podcast from mycreditstatus.co.za. We will be introducing you to credit experts who will be providing valuable insight and advice from your financial health to improving your credit status and score. Your host for the show is Laura Palmieri. Hello and welcome to My Credit Status Podcast. In today's podcast, we'll be discussing debt counseling. We are extremely privileged to have Benai Sager, the Chief Operating Officer of Debtbusters. Debtbusters is South Africa's largest and most trusted multi-award winning debt management company, and they've already helped over 60,000 consumers manage their debt. Benai, let's start off the podcast with a brief explanation on what is debt review, and is it the same as debt counseling? as there seems to be a lot of confusion between the two. Thank you, Laura, for having me, and uh, thanks to all the listeners. Um, uh, it is true that uh, it's a little bit confusing out in the public domain. Um, debt review is exactly the same as debt counselling. Um, it's the, the two phrases are used interchangeably. For, you know, for those of us who are in the industry, it means exactly the same thing. Um, it's a it's a process that was uh, put into the National Credit Act, which was promulgated in two thousand seven, and it's quite a unique process uh, in the sense that um, it uh, exists in a handful of countries in the world and it was very progressive thinking of of the legislators to put it in the National Credit Act. It uh, provides an avenue for individuals who are struggling with their debt to essentially um, hit the reset button and ask for help in a legal way that's uh, very much uh, protected under the National Credit Act. And, um, you know, it, it, it allows consumers who are really struggling with their finances or will be struggling with their finances to, uh, in a controlled environment, to try to sort of address the problem. That's what it is. Okay, that's interesting. I think very few people actually realize that it was uh, put through the National Credit Act in 2007. Yeah, it's uh, it's one of the. I mean, the Credit Act has lots of sections, um, and you know, as it's typical with uh, legislation, uh, it could get um, quite daunting, you know, for for those of us who don't have legal backgrounds to try to understand. But it has been around for about twelve years, um, very successful. It has put through roughly about a million individuals under debt counselling. And we believe about uh, 40%, about 400,000 of them um, got what we call clearance certificates at the end, meaning they were able to clear their debt and get back into the lending world um, without really having any black eyes, so to speak, or without having any black marks on their credit record. So we think it's it's very successful and um, it's truly unique in the in the sense of uh, the success. And we've had people from overseas um, who, you know, from China and from other places who, uh, especially in countries that are struggling with consumer debt, who've actually come to check out what does the, how does the South African debt counseling process and market work. So it's getting quite a bit of publicity outside of the country as well. I didn't realize that uh, to that extreme. That's actually very interesting. Funny enough, I was, I've been, I was living in Bangkok for about two years and I've, re- I saw, I've noticed the change that that country is also going through extremely struggling with debt as well, with a high level, the increase in debt that's occurring in that country. And I don't think there's any avenue at this stage there either. So we're actually quite in the forefront with everything at the moment. We are. Um, I, I was. Um, I lived in the U.S. for a number of years, and even then, um, 
debt uh, was quite a big problem and now much more so for individuals and people are really drowning in debt then they they uh, you know they always um, try to kind of restructure the debt um, but no one has um, I think with the exception of a few countries no one else really has as structured and kind of legal process as as we do here which is great from a consumer perspective because it provides the legal protection that the consumers really need during the restructuring or debt process mm. and it, it allows all all the role players, including consumers, us as debt counselors, credit bureaus, credit providers who are all involved. Everyone knows the process and everyone respects the process. It allows everyone to kind of play within particular rules. You know, that all the rules are quite well defined. So I think we like it from that perspective as well. Yeah, that's really good news. Okay, now before we go into more detail about debt counseling, can you quickly explain what is prescribed debt? Prescribed debt is um, a technical term for debt that essentially has not been repaid for a long period of time and it's basically been prescribed to to be essentially either to be written down or something else. So um, a, a typical example would be, um, let's say someone... Um, uh, owes uh, a retail uh, credit provider, let's say, a few thousand rand that uh, they open an account with, mm -hmm. and they, for whatever reason, either they couldn't or they wouldn't repay back, and let's say a few years have elapsed, um, that what would happen is that the the lender that's owed the money would try to collect on that debt by trying to get in touch with the consumer. Um, if they are unsuccessful for a period of time, meaning uh, they are unable to get a hold of the consumer and the consumer is not making payments towards that debt, the debt prescribes. Now, depending on the type of debt, there are different um, sort of timelines that you would need. For example, if you owe money to SABC or SARS, uh, that debt does not prescribe for 30 years, so sure. <laughs> it's quite a it's quite a long time. Meaning, um, you would uh, <clears throat> you would not pay that debt, or you would uh, not be um, uh, you you would not they would not get a hold of you for a 30 year period sure. before they can prescribe. Meaning, write that debt off and actually sell it to someone else to collect on your behalf. Um, Prescribed debt doesn't mean, um, you know, the debt has been extinguished. It doesn't disappear by itself. Um, but it is something that does take place from time to time uh, that credit providers are unable to collect on it. So it's, it's been quite a contentious issue, as you might imagine, over mm. the last few years. Um, I think the best piece of advice I can give is to our consumers, if you are going to take out debt, make sure that you take it out with the with the belief that you are going to pay it back. If you end up in the prescribed debt territory, it becomes quite complicated to deal with, even in our environment, and it, it could really hurt someone's um, credit status. So you actually don't want prescribed debt on your, uh, on your, on your credit record. Sure, okay. Yeah, that's very, 30 years is a long period of time, I must say. <laughs> sure. Indeed, yeah, it's, it's very long, yeah. But, I mean, you can understand yes. the reason for it because uh, it's, it's, it's an obligation to the, to the government. 100%. So. 100%. And, and do you find that there are a lot of creditors or debt collectors that are breaking the law using prescribed debt? Um, I think... You know, I, I would I wouldn't think so. I mean, we don't really find that. We yeah. also know that 
um, those uh, credit providers and debt collectors that are registered with the appropriate authorities, whether that's the national credit regulator or some other entity, um, in the case of debt collectors, the, the, um, it's the Department of Justice that um, normally handles them um, through the Debt Collectors Act. We found that registered players play by the rules. I mean, okay. we, we've ne we haven't really come across, uh, of course, uh, from time to time, you come across individual cases that look a bit strange. Uh, it could be oversight or a mistake made on, on behalf of someone, but we find that registered entities almost always play by the rules, which is important for consumers to know because they can ask for the registration numbers of credit providers, debt collectors, mm -hmm. same with debt counselors, um, anyone that's involved in the credit industry, um, be it regulated by the creditors uh, or FSCA, they should always ask for the registration and license numbers to verify that they're registered entities. Because the, 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 you know, at the end of the day, our regulators do, I think, a great job in making sure that everyone is uh, sticking with the rules. Um, we don't always get it right. I mean, in the industry, there are some bad apples, but um, the best way to kind of weed them out is to always go with the entities that are registered with the right authorities. Absolutely makes sense, and it's also a good advice there to actually request that uh, the registr the registration details before applying before, for example, like signing up to Debtbusters to make sure that the person is actually registered in that industry. Exactly, exactly. And this is a bit of a cheeky question, but does Debtbusters ever use this law to their advantage when it comes to debt counselling? Um. I don't think there are many people out there um, doing debt counselling who are not registered, um, because the, the, the way that debt counselling works is um, we a debt counsellor is a is a is a person. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a registered debt counsellor in my personal capacity. Okay. Uh, of course, I work for Debtbusters, um, but you would definitely need to ask someone if they tell you they're a debt counsellor. You would certainly need to ask them what their NCR uh, DC number is, and that that shows that um, you can also go to NCR's web website and check that that person is indeed registered. Uh, to the extent that the website tells you that certificate is up to date and all of that. Um, I haven't come across any instances where someone would masquerade and say, I'm a debt counsellor, but not be actually registered with the NCR. I think it's quite a serious offence that people wouldn't take lightly. Yeah. Well, that's actually good to know. That's really, is really good to know that's not happening. Yeah. But I think it's important for consumers to know that they must always um, speak to registered debt counsellors. And by, by, by law, a, a debt counsellor is registered as a, as an, as a person. So, uh, yeah. Okay, I see. That's why you said now that you're registered in your personal capacity. That's correct. Okay. So if you go to the NCR's website and you, know, you look up my name, you would see that I'm a registered debt counsellor. Okay, now I understand. Thank you. Okay, when should a consumer consider debt counselling and what are the criteria? Yeah, this is uh, one of the misconceptions out there as well. Um, debt counselling is, uh, like we said, it's a statutory process provided by uh, for in the National Credit Act. So if you look at the Act, um, it's meant to help individuals who are over-indebted or about to be over-indebted. Um, that might sound a bit technical. I think simply put is if you are unable to make ends meet mm. and you really struggling to pay back your creditors or your insurance payments or your landlord or whoever it might be, I would always urge people to speak to someone 
in the debt counseling industry um, to help them understand why they're unable to meet their obligations. So debt counseling is for people who are uh, who we describe as being over indebted or or about to be over indebted. What that technically means is that um, the money that they earn, their income, or you know if they're getting money from let's say they're renting a house or whatever it might be. Yes. Um, is less than that the money uh, that they owe to creditors uh, and their expenses. So we look at uh, three things. We look at someone's income. We look at how much they pay towards their creditors. Um, yes. And we look at what their expenses are. If the expenses and how much they're meant to pay to their creditors, if those two combined are more than what they're earning in terms of net income, technically they're over indebted and they would be a candidate for debt counseling. So that's one scenario. Yes. And the second scenario is that if someone um, is going to be over indebted and one can prove that again let's say for example um, you, you you know that your costs are going to increase let's say you're going to take your child to school it hasn't happened today but let's say it's going to happen in two months time and you can demonstrate that you are going to struggle to make ends meet and you're going to be technically over indebted that's also um, possible for someone to apply for debt counseling okay. uh, we get often we the individuals we get are people who are, you know, good paying clients, but they've just fallen on hard times. Um, they're unable to make ends meet and they're technically over indebted at this point in time. Um, and what we try to do at Deadbusters is to help them. Um, it, you know, they find us. They generally um, would, uh, you know, the typical client profile, if I can share that, yes. is is someone um, with a let's say middle level income, um, somewhere between eighteen to twenty five thousand rand is what they're earning, mm -hmm. but um, they would need to pay back their creditors uh, more than that on a monthly basis. So technically speaking, even from that, without even factoring in their expenses, um, these individuals are unfortunately really struggling, uh, drowning in debt. And it could be because um, there was something unexpected that has happened in their lives. Let's say there were two breadwinners and one of them lost their job, which is something we see quite regularly these days, um, with the economy being quite, uh, you know, in a struggling state. Yes, or it, it could be that um, an unexpected event happened in their lives. Um, you know, so there was a, a funeral or there was a big medical bill that they were not insured for. And all of a sudden you had this mountain of expenses that you were not really catering for. And you find yourself having to take out a personal loan or some other means to to have to pay it back. And now you're unable to pay it back under the terms. And then interest rate keeps ticking and ticking. Um, so, uh, you know, that's kind of like the typical scenario that we often we find um, when consumers are struggling. Those are generally the things. Most of our consumers, um, if to, to, to you asked about the criteria for debt counseling. Yes. So you have to be over indebted and you have to um, show that you have a source of income. It doesn't okay. have to be a full-time job. It could be part-time. It could be that you're earning uh, income from, let's say, renting a house or whatever it might be. But just some but form of to, income. Yeah, you have to demonstrate that you have a, the means yes. to pay back your debt. That's one of the conditions of being admitted to debt counseling, which I think is fantastic from the standpoint that um, 
you know, these are consumers who have realized they have a problem in terms of their debt, and they're genuinely trying to change the situation for themselves to improve their financial situation. That's the typical consumer that we get. Uh, they recognize that they're in difficult times, and but they don't really know. They think taking out another loan is the only way out. But we can also help them, um, you know, in terms of restructuring their debt. That's generally the typical profile that we get. Sadly, though, I'm afraid that a lot of consumers just have that perception, like you were saying, about taking out another loan. Um, instead of actually taking the avenue which debt counseling provides, which I think is absolutely fantastic. Oh, I simplistically, um, you make a good point. I simplistically, whenever we have training with the staff, I also ask them this question. Um, Suppose that um, you you earning a certain amount of income, mm -hmm. and let's say you want to put aside from that income a certain amount of money, uh, or rather, the question is, how do you save, let's say, a thousand rand? How do you put aside a thousand rand per month? And almost always, nine, I would say, ninety-five percent of the time, people's first inclination is, okay, for me to save that kind of money, I need to earn more, or I need to get more money, or I need to get a loan. I need to increase my um, sort of uh, what I'm earning. Rarely do people think maybe I can also cut back on my costs. And in this case, I think it's typical human nature. We think we're struggling with our money, so what do we need? We need more money. That's the first thing yes, that all of us right. think about. <laughs> but there's the other side of the equation, income minus expenses minus debt repayments, um, that really, really sort of uh, people generally ignore and they don't really think. And that's part of our job is also help them think through. We speak to, on a monthly basis, about fifteen to 20,000 consumers. Wow. Uh, only a fraction of those consumers end up becoming uh, debt counseling clients. Um, the rest of them, they're looking for, uh, they're struggling financially and they're looking for <laughs> avenues to help themselves. And we give them free advice, we give them free credit reports when they speak to us. Um, but there are many more people we speak to than who end up coming under debt counseling who can really use this advice. And I think this is not a unique South African problem, by the way. I think yeah. this is a global problem. Um, really, uh, globally, people are drowning in debt and they don't always have the avenues like debt counseling to help them restructure it. No, absolutely. I agree with you on that one. Sure. Okay. What are then the advantages or are there any disadvantages of debt counseling? So, I mean, uh, if I can just explain how the debt counseling process works a little bit. Um, um, of course, the, the, you know, the, 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 the advantage is, is that um, depending on how you look at it, if you apply to debt counseling, uh, how it, the process works is that um, if we, we um, determine that you're over-indebted, uh, you would fill out a, a form and you would apply. If we determine that you're over-indebted, then we would apply on your behalf to all the creditors. We would send them a letter saying this person has applied to debt counseling. Mm -hmm. um, it's almost uh, in a way to say stop all lending activity to this individual until such time that we de determine whether they're over-indebted or not. Once we determine over-indebted or not, which is generally in a matter of days, then we would make the final call, okay, the person is over-indebted and they are going to go under debt counseling. What happens there onwards is that we again notify all the creditors they owe money to, and they are at, from that point onwards, they're not allowed to lend more money to those individuals. So one of the things um, uh, with debt counseling is if you are under debt counseling, you're not allowed to take further credit. But this could be seen as a positive or a 
negative, depending on yeah. <laughs> you know how you feel. So <laughs> I, I think it's quite fair that um, if the lenders uh, or creditors have agreed to restructure your debt, um, how it works it normally is that we would get concessions on your behalf as a consumer from the creditors mm. to extend the amount of time that you have to pay back that debt. And further, lenders also take concession about reducing your interest rate really through um, I think it's only fair that you as a consumer in return agree not to take out further credit as long as you're under the program. Absolutely. No, that's absolutely fair. I agree with you on that one. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so it's it's a long-term commitment in the sense that it's generally not something that you do in three months and you're finished, but it's generally three to five years. Uh, and it's, it, it is, it, so, you know, you can see that as positive or negative in the sense that it is difficult for some people uh, to keep to the budget for three to five years. Um, one cannot really predict what happens in the next few years. Yes, but we do have avenues to help individuals whose situations change during that period. Um, it gives you legal protection from the creditors, meaning, um, you know, from that point onwards, once you're on the debt counseling, you deal with your debt counselor. Um, you make uh, one payment per month mm -hmm. through uh, independent payment distribution agencies known as PDAs, which are, by the way, also licensed, uh, registered well. by the National Credit Regulator. You make a payment to them. It's one payment per month. You don't have to worry about, let's say, eight to ten payments that most of our consumers make. And that payment gets distributed to all of your creditors based on the new amounts that we would negotiate on your behalf and get agreement from them. And, you know, from a consumer perspective, it becomes relatively simple from that point onwards. You make one payment per month. You can set it up as a debit order, so it goes off your account. You don't pay your creditors directly. You pay the PDA, which we manage in terms of being distributed. And when um, you paid up your all your short-term debt, and if you've got a bond that can remain, then you can get a clearance certificate. And once you've finished uh, and you, uh, the process and you get your clearance certificate, again, it could be anywhere from a few years to five years or six, depending on how much debt you have and you know the size of, and the nature of the debt, then um, you the, the 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 flag on your name is removed. You can um, get credit again. And um, what's best news is that it, it it doesn't appear to creditors that you've ever been under debt counselling or debt review before. Okay. Um, so it's not meant to be a negative penalty from for you going forward. I can see the way it's been structured. It definitely it's 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 not that at all. It, it just helps you for that period to to actually. To, to sort your data out. Yes, exactly. And most of our consumers, what they find is that, I mean, we get lots of compliments from consumers. Often cases, um, they're going through some difficult financial times or um, maybe there's a divorce involved um, or some other difficult time. Maybe one of the uh, breadwinners lost the job. And it truly is life-saving for many of our consumers because what happens is that causes so much stress that yes. um, even for younger people, we know instances where, I mean, the debt is too much and it becomes so stressful that um, they just cannot cope with it. So it becomes a huge relief for our consumers. They know how much they need to pay for every single month for the next few years to get out of debt. And again, it becomes a nice avenue for them to kind of get back on their financial feet. 
Yeah. But what I personally find after, after having, you know, you explained all this is that the consumer's actually not alone. So even though the process is like, what, three to seven years, depending on the debt, there's always someone there for them in the sense of the debt counsellor. That they're, they're not stranded alone trying to sort this out on their own. So at Debtbusters, we take the view that as a consumer, you should be in charge. Um, and we have... Um, we have a, a, an online portal, much like many other financial services companies these days. You can log into that portal at any point in time. It's uh, got live information about um, how much money has been distributed to all the creditors that you uh, owe money to. Mm -hmm. How far are you from getting your clearance certificate? Um, if there are any relevant documents for you in terms of the debt review process, they will be uploaded there for you to be able to access. And we want to provide full transparency in the process to let consumers know because it's also it's also okay to you know forget sometimes how much longer do I have <laughs> to go it's not easy um, it's quite an overwhelming discussion in the beginning in fact um, because uh, you know many people don't know about the process so you've got to learn a lot of things as a consumer but we try to make it easy by uh, having a portal our portal is called smart sense um, smart uh, c-e-n-t-s like brands and sense oh, okay. um, and we we try to give consumers as as much information as possible to again make it transparent we've got nothing to hide and at the end of the day it's the consumers who are making this choice to actually repay back their debt and we're here to assist them that's how we see our role no that's true okay so now now if a consumer is interested in going into debt counseling what are the fees involved you know how does the fees work yeah so the debt counseling fees um there are two types of fees. Um, there are the fees that you pay to the, your debt counselor and there are the fees that you pay to your uh, PDA. Mm. And the nice thing is all of these fees are built into the calculation. So when um, when you have a conversation with a debt counselor and they, they, they tell you, um, okay, you're going to, let's say, pay um, 3,000 Rand for the next 20 or 50 months, whatever the number is, yeah. um, all the fees are built into that. So you make one payment payment and um, you know those fees get distributed to all the relevant payers um, role players in the process now if you were to ask me in isolation like how much of the money that the consumer would pay over the debt counseling period how much of that goes to creditors and how much of it goes to yes. fees um, I've actually done this analysis quite recently and looked at all of our income brackets all the way from people earning let's say 3,000 rand to those earning in excess of 25,000 rand and depending on <clears throat> the amount of uh, money that you pay back to your creditors on a monthly basis, um, the, when you look at, um, let's, over the course of the period of debt counseling, uh, in terms of the total amount that you pay, between 6 to 10% of that money only would go to paying your PDA and debt counselor fees. So in other words, 90 to 94% of everything that you pay during the process goes straight back to your creditors, which is which is the way it's meant to be, and it's great for creditors also because they're getting the lion's share of the repayment. And also the reason why creditors love the process um, because it guarantees them payment. So the fees are built in, uh, all of the fees, but I think if you compare to alternative methods of paying back, because we're able to slash a lot of the monthly fees uh, from the accounts, Mm. Uh, and all of that, it actually makes it a lot more attractive for consumers. It's a cheaper way, if, if I can say it like that, 
than let's say ending up in a legal process where you have to be chased by um, you know external uh, debt collectors or attorneys or whatever those fees generally if they're tacked on they become fairly expensive for the consumer if they stop paying and most of these consumers would be in a situation where they would struggle to pay back all their debts so if they choose this avenue it actually proactively helps them avoid a lot of the costs that would come from alternative methods of collection. Correct. So it actually makes in the fees that, like you mentioned, between six to ten percent is actually it, it's it's a reasonable. It's 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 absolutely considering the, what they're saving in the long run. This is not yes. a bad deal at all. So our consumers, um, we talked we talked a little bit about it um, earlier in terms of their income levels. So a typical consumer profile would be that um, they would come to us, like I said, earning between eighteen to twenty five thousand rand. Our average is twenty two thousand rand gross. So they're netting around eighteen thousand rand per month, and they debt obligations, meaning if they were to pay every single creditor every month would be 19,000 Rand. So what I'm saying is in most cases, the net income is not possible to pay all the creditors. But because of the restructuring that we do and the negotiation that we do on their behalf and slashing of the interest rates and the monthly fees, yeah. in most circumstances, we're able to reduce that 19,000 amount that they would have had to pay to a third of what it was before. Wow. So let's call it five to six thousand Rand. So we also know that um, so that provides them immediate relief from a cash flow perspective Absolutely. every month. So all of a sudden they're still netting eighteen thousand Rand, but they only need to pay five thousand Rand towards their creditors. So it gives them breathing space. And Laura, what we also know is that most consumers need uh, at least two thirds of the net income to for the basic necessities of life for food for transport That's for cheese. housing for school fees for other expenses and uh, you know inflation um, and uh, you know petrol prices and all of that hasn't been kind to the south african consumer for the last several years so we know that consumers really need that two-thirds of their net income um, in terms of being able to survive. So we try to work off of that. So when you factor in all of that, it becomes a very attractive proposition to you know, come to, to debt busters and to debt counseling for consumers to really help them. No, that she is. I agree with you on that, definitely. Okay, so now once the consumer has signed up to debt counseling, what actually happens next? What is the exact process? So once they sign up to debt counseling, which would mean technically um, we found them to be over indebted uh, and they applied to us before that we found them to be over indebted, um, we send to all of their creditors the, um, uh, the form indicating that yes, uh, this person has applied and we found them to be over indebted from now onwards they are uh, under debt counseling. What we would simultaneously do um, is that we would inform the um, credit bureaus by way of um, online system mm -hmm. that this individual with this particular ID number or passport number has applied for debt counseling. So that immediately stops the further lending process, okay. informs all the credit bureaus. So there onwards, what we do is that we would um, uh, we would uh, interact with all the creditors uh, to get uh, what we call um, 
the first thing to do is from the creditors to get um, what we call a certificate of balance. So that is basically for, uh, information from the creditors that for every single account that the consumer has, what is the outstanding amount of money that they owe. Once we have that information, let's say they have eight to 10 creditors and most consumers would have several. Once we get all of that information, um, we would then uh, essentially look at the individual's income and we'd look at how much money they owe to the different creditors and we would basically work backwards um, to restructure their debt over an extended period of time. Most of our consumers, we would be able to um, propose to the creditors that they pay back their debt, with the exception of home loan, that they pay back their debt between uh, four to five years. Uh, I think average is uh, about 42 months, actually, maybe a little bit lower than four years. So we would send the proposal to the creditors, uh, asking them uh, whether they accept our restructure proposal. Uh, and we would have a, a back and forth negotiation on behalf for the consumer with the creditors and we would try to secure the best deal on behalf of the consumer based on what they can afford to pay on a monthly basis rather than um, you know trying to force the consumer to overpay we generally work off the principle that the consumer can pay like I said a third of their net income towards their repayments so we take over from that point and we renegotiate in most instances at dead buses we're able to get all of the creditors to agree to a restructure proposal over 90% of the cases. And once that's done, we would um, take those papers where everyone, all the creditors have agreed to the restructure payment plan. Mm -hmm. We would take them either to magistrate court or the National uh, Consumer Tribunal to get the legal backing that yes, all of these, um, the consumer along with all of the creditors have agreed to this repayment plan. So from there onwards, um, there's a, what's known as a court order in place. And uh, along the process, what the consumer sees is um, uh, it's kind of like the final result. We try to make it as easy as possible for the consumer. We ask them to do one thing and one thing only on a monthly basis. Just pay the amount that was agreed with the debt counselor. Mm -hmm. Pay it on time, pay it in full, and we will take care of the rest. So once the court order is in place, um, the rest is essentially, that's an agreement between the consumer and the creditors mm. to essentially say, okay, we have X number of months to pay this back. And when the time comes for the consumer to exit debt review, we proactively contact these creditors to get the balances, if there are any paid up letters and so on. We prepare the documentation for them to exit debt counseling. And we would grant them once all the all the paid up letters are in place, meaning all the accounts, all the short term accounts have been paid, mm -hmm. with the exception of the bond generally, then we would issue what's known as a clearance certificate. And uh, that would mean there's no more debt review flag on the consumer's name with any of the credit bureaus. Um, now, the process I described from beginning to end, it could take several years. It all depends. Um, yeah. In the beginning, it's very intense uh, in the first few months. Um, intense in the sense that we need to secure from creditors, for example, we need to stop existing debit orders that might be running off clients' accounts to make sure that they have money to pay um, for the debt counseling process. Um, that requires quite a bit of intense interaction sometimes with the consumer. But after the court order, um, you know, as long as consumers are paying on time, there's generally um, sort of, um, you know, besides the normal sort of annual update, um, generally consumers um, would, would only know, uh, you know, that things are on track. 
and again, like they can go to our, our website, they can go to the um, consumer portal to check their progress. So um, in the beginning, there's quite a bit of involvement from the consumer to make sure that everything is set up right in the first two, three months, I would say, in the negotiation process. But from there onwards, it kind of works in the background. Okay, interesting. Then the next question I have actually ties in what you mentioned earlier is um, when a, while a consumer is under debt counseling, will this affect their credit score? But clearly, um, I know that we, you get to flag them, but does it affect their score? So um, the credit score is a bit of a complex thing in the sense that how credit scores are calculated, um, there are a number of major credit bureaus, as you know, in South Africa, four yes. to six. And each one has a particular way of calculating your credit score. But each one, uh, you know, has a different component. So a, a credit score is it consists of a number of things. One is your payment record. How good are you with paying back the money that you borrowed? The second thing is how long have you been credit active? Are you Have you been in the credit industry and borrowing money, let's say, only for one year versus 10 years, which makes a big difference? The other thing that impacts the credit score is the composition of the debt. What, what type of debt do you have? Do you have, let's say, a bond and a vehicle that's financed? Or do you not have either and you just have, let's say, retail accounts? Maybe if you have a credit card or a personal loan, the composition of that debt is quite important in determining credit score. And the, the last thing that also impacts the credit score is um, in terms of how, uh, what, what, if you do have a credit card and if you do have store cards, what percent of that credit card are you utilizing, as I call utilization? So because there are four or five of these factors I just mentioned, yes. credit score, how the credit score moves, whether it goes up or down, it really depends on sort of like the interplay between these, um, between these parameters and each credit bureau has a different way of scoring. So to answer your question, what happens to the credit score once someone comes on the debt review? Um, because paying back creditors is is an important part of it, but so is utilization. Those things mm. over the long term, if you are a consumer that pays back on time, the amount that's been re-agreed with the creditors in terms of the restructured debt, we find that in, uh, in almost all the cases, consumers who are paying on time and paying the full amount every month, their credit score actually goes up. Okay. So, yeah. Consumers, consumers who skip payments or they pay partially or, uh, you know, anything else that might happen, their credit score goes down. Okay. So it's similar to how the behavior outside of the, a debt review affects the credit score. Yeah, okay, that's um, what I was about to say, correct, yes, same. It's, it's, it's no different. So. Mm. There's definitely an impact. Um, the credit score movements may not be as big as they would, but also remember that because consumers are not taking up um, taking up new credit, uh, interestingly enough, one of the biggest determinants of your credit score is the fact that if you take out a lot of credit and you use it fully, it, let's say if you have a credit card with a limit of 50,000 Rand and you're maxing it out every month, um, perversely, that actually improves your credit score, even though that doesn't necessarily mean that you are in a better situation yourself. 
But if you're using it every month and you're maxing out the credit um, score, uh, sorry, credit, credit card, it signals to the lenders that you are a good prospect to lend to. Therefore, they increase your credit score. So I think one needs to understand the complex drivers of credit score before you can make judgments whether credit score is going to go up and down. But what I can tell you is, based on the information we look at, um, we, we provide, um, uh, through a partnership with a company called Kudo, we provide all of our consumers a credit report. Um, from what we see, it, that credit um, uh, score goes up if consumers are paying and paying regularly. Interesting, yeah. Well, I understand that now. That actually makes perfect sense. So it's the same principle whether or not you're in debt counseling, it's how you service your debts and, and then you, and how much credit you have out and it's take out. Correct. That's but, very correct. Okay. Now, can a consumer, I think we've, we've covered this, but can a consumer apply for credit or use their credit cards while under debt counseling? So that if they had an existing credit card, as an example. Yeah, I think we touched on it yeah. a little bit, uh, but I, I can articulate um, existing credit cards, um, no. Um, in fact, uh, credit cards or overdrafts cannot be used uh, okay. while you're under debt counseling because overdraft is also seen as a credit facility. Um, uh, however, you can use bank cards. So if you have a debit card from your bank, okay. um, you know, to pay groceries or whatever, you can use it as long as you're not using the overdraft portion. Um, the only type of new credit that you can take out um, while you're under debt review is what's known as um, a consolidation loan. Um, but th th there hasn't been many sort of uh, requests for this. In fact, we haven't had any. Mm -hmm. And I think I would advise against it, um, you know, purely because you restructure your debts and, uh, you know, consumers, um, consumers need to demonstrate that they are paying back their restructured debt. So it's possible when you read the Act, um, yeah, that's the only thing that's uh, technically possible. But I don't know any products out there that exist that would satisfy that. Okay. And um, how long um, how long after debt counselling can a consumer incur debt? And I recall you mentioning a clearance certificate. So, so am I right to say once they've gone through the debt counselling process, they've got a clearance certificate, can, then, can they then go and apply for debt again? Yes, it's immediate. immediate. Um, so as long as the, the flag on the bureau is removed, um, which is generally in a matter of days, um, the consumer can go and apply for new credit. It's no problem. And, and have you noticed that that tends to happen? That does the consumer go back into that cycle? Um, I think most of our consumers, they recognize that um, their, their previous way of dealing with money and debt was uh, probably not uh, the best. And what happens is that um, many of them, when they finish with us and get the clearance certificate, actually want to go um, and get an asset. They either want to get a, a finance vehicle or, in most instances, actually go get a home loan. So... If you ask, uh, you know, in terms of what percent of the individuals come back to debt busters after they've been through the process once, um, it's a tiny, I would say a handful of people in the six years that I've been with this business, not more than three or four. So most of our consumers, um, and by the way, we are granting about 250 to 300 clearance certificates per month. So last year alone, for example, in 2018, I think we had about um, 3,600 people who were given clearance certificates. So out of that, 
maybe one or two would would ever come back saying, look, I, I struggle with my debt again. I want to come back under debt counseling. It's very rare. That is actually very positive information that they actually don't fall back, yeah? Definitely. And I think, uh, uh, you know, our teams feel very proud that we were able to help the consumers become more educated about uh, finances and debt and how to manage their own financial situation. Yeah, that definitely sounds like that. Eh? And then the, what is the percentage of people that actually finish the debt counseling process? So we know now they've all signed up. So what is the percentage that you've, that you've, that you've seen that actually finish it? Yeah, so um, the, yeah, the, 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 in 2015, early 2015, um, the National Credit Regulator changed some of the criteria for individuals to be able to exit debt review. Prior to that point, a consumer could say at any point in time they want to exit debt review and um, they could leave without any sort of um, without any issues. Since then, the, uh, the rules um, have been changed that you can leave debt counseling only once you paid your short-term debt, meaning everything except for a uh, home loan, because home loans generally have a much longer horizon of 25-odd years. So the, if you look at the statistics before that, um, you know, if you look at the period when consumers could say, I want to leave debt counseling midstream, without actually seeing through all the benefits of debt counseling, without sticking it out, you are probably looking at um, like 30, 25, 30% that would finish with clearance certificates. Since then, we are looking at uh, upwards of 40%. So the number wow. is ticking up. And I think every year the number improves um, because consumers are getting better educated about, um, you know, the reasons why they should stay on the debt counseling for the full period. So it's nearing the 50% mark, meaning That's incredible. almost almost half of the people are seeing through the benefits and getting their clearance certificates. Yeah, so we, um, I think the industry has definitely done very well in improving that number. Um, if you look at the statistics over the years, like I said, mm. out of a million uh, old people, about 400,000 got clearance certificates. But if you separate it into pre-2015 um, versus post-2015, it's actually a lot more promising after the, 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 regular, the change in the uh, guidance lines in early 2015 that we're seeing more and more people get to the clearance certificate stage. That is really, 40% is really, really incredible. And to think that will actually only improve over time. Yeah, that's what we believe in. Of course, we will have this conversation again in two yes, years' time. And I can give you <laughs> the numbers specifically. Okay, then our final question. Um, what interesting stats can you share with us regarding the South African population and their financial behavior? Um, I think a lot of the stats are um, quite well publicized, mm -hmm. uh, you know, about 25-odd uh, million consumers who are credit active and roughly about 10 million of them being in, uh, in arrears. Um, I think what we see with our consumer base is at Deadbusters, uh, quite interestingly, many of the consumers that come to us actually have very few arrears. Um, and what they're doing is they're, they're constantly borrowing to pay the previous loan and they end up in almost like a debt spiral. Um, 
So from statistics perspective, um, what what we see is that uh, almost half of the debt that they come to us with in terms of value is what we would call unsecured debt, meaning personal loans, um, credit cards, overdrafts, um, things like that, retail accounts. Only about half of the debt that they come to us with uh, is uh, would be tied to uh, assets such as vehicle finance or a bond and if you compare that to let's say three four years ago um, the picture was very different when consumers were coming to us um, almost 70 percent of their debt would be secured assets uh, meaning bond or vehicle finance so there's definitely been a push in terms of more unsecured borrowing in the country um, it's increased and what we also find is that um, the levels of debt, uh, in terms of how much consumers are paying, what percent of their income they're paying towards debt repayments. We did some research on this a few years ago, um, and it's a lot higher than I think some of the numbers that um, uh, like the Reserve Bank and so on would publish in the sense that when you factor in the cost of uh, credit life insurance and fees, monthly fees and all of that, mm-hmm. what we find is that um, – the, the percent of monthly net income that consumers, every single consumer in South Africa, if you were to spread the debt over them, we would all need to pay about 13% of our net income towards debt repayment. Now, if you took all the debts this, um, uh, that the individuals owe and distributed across the entire population, the when figures are published by the Reserve Bank, they generally refer to about an 11% number, which is quite different than the 13%. It doesn't sound like much, but it's actually a huge difference in the sense that we think the actual debt levels, you know, the household debt levels are 20% higher than what's being published. And the reason for the difference is that a lot of the non-bank lending is not factored in to um, these statistics and a lot of the cost of credit such as uh, extra such as interest repayments and uh, credit life and so on are also not factored in. The other thing to keep in mind is that um, uh, even with the numbers that um, we say household debt to GDP ratio is somewhere around 76 to 80 percent and I think a lot of the pundits would have you believe that number has been coming down and they would compare it to countries like the US for example or Australia where a comparable number would be between 120 to 140 percent and that all looks good on paper I think the issue is twofold one is what I just described now yes. the real levels of debt uh, that doesn't factor in non-bank lending and the cost of the interest rates and credit life and so on, which are generally burdens on the consumer. And the second thing is the nature of the debt is very different. In some of those countries that are quoted, like Australia or the US, a majority of the debt that the households uh, owe is uh, mortgages with very low interest rates. We're talking 3 to 6%. Whereas in South Africa, when we looked at the average interest rate across the board for our consumers, it's 21%. So bulk of the lending is because of unsecured uh, lending. And when you think about the difference of um, the amount of, if you say, let's say you pay a thousand rand back on a loan every month, what that means practically is if you most of it were to be paid to bond, uh, only a small percent of that would be interest. Whereas when you're paying unsecured back 
uh, unsecured loans back, almost 100% of what you're paying back goes to interest. So you never really make a, a serious dent in terms of the capital repayments. So we think the nature of the debt is actually a lot more um, difficult to crack than compared to other countries. Interesting that actually, very interesting. Okay, once again, Ben, ben I, sorry, I always pronounced it wrong. Thanks for joining our podcast. And I, I think there's a lot of confusion in this topic and hopefully we've managed to give our listeners a better understanding of the whole debt counseling process. And I hope you'll let us invite you back onto our show again. Thank you very much, Laura. Um, if uh, any consumers out there are really struggling with uh, making ends meet or they're going to bed every night thinking about how they're going to repay their loan, I would seriously advise them to look out for a debt counsellor. Uh, you can go to our website, website debtbusters.co.za or call us 086-999-0606 and see if we can help them. Perfect. Thank you very much. And we'll speak to you soon. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to My Credit Status Podcast. Make sure you tune into our next show where we will continue to provide you with valuable information about your credit health. We value your feedback, so we would love it if you can rate and review us on iTunes. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so that you can be alerted as soon as a new episode is live. Visit mycreditstatus.co.za.